Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. All right. So good to be here. All right. Wow, it's fantastic. My wife said, don't be making any Super Bowl jokes. So, all right. Uh, let's get right at it. Uh, uh, the title of this time that we have together is Breaking Up with the World, Breaking Up with the World. And I'll explain a little bit later what that is. But, Father, we just thank you for the moment that we have here. Lord, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see. Lord, that you would give us hearts to understand. Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, uh, to, Lord, hunger for truth and to know truth and to know you. We just thank you, Father, for the, the hour in which we are here and, Lord, the, the life that you've given us and the time which you called, called us to live. Lord, we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, breaking up with the world. I have this quote from Dr. Robert Malone who was um, the inventor of the mRNA uh, technology. But uh, over time, he's come to this understanding. He says, fifth-generation warfare is a war of information and perception. A strange game. The only winning move is not to play. The basic idea is that in the modern era, wars are not fought by armies or guerrillas, but in the minds of common citizens. So I want to talk to us a little bit about the world and just this idea of what we, what we are engaged in. And so I want to just kind of setting the groundwork. Psalm 11 verse 3 says this, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so when we think about that, it's kind of like we're not talking about actual physical foundations, but foundational truths. Like there are certain truths that we need to know that are built into our life that they become foundational. And if we don't have those foundational truths that help us develop a way of seeing the world or seeing reality, that we will, be, we will not have the ability to accurately be the people that God desires us to be. So if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says this. It says, and no wonder, right? And I, I would just, some of this might be familiar with, to you, but I, I think it's so important that we just, we really grasp some of this. It says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Think, think about that for just a moment with me. So it says, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Right? So, uh, he, he doesn't come as, you know, this ugly or doesn't as something evil. He doesn't approach us as, man, I got a terrible idea for you to follow, right? He, he disguises himself as an angel of light. And then it goes on to say, so it is no surprise 
right? Here, here's where we're going. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Their ends, their end will correspond to their deeds. Now we can't miss the solid fact the solid fact that you and I are being lied to every day in many ways. You know, we live in a world that is constantly lying to us. That the lies are, are immense and cascading down upon us all the time. I'm not making a, coming out here to make a dream point. I'm just getting some water. Don't, don't want to intimidate anyone. So think about that. That was dangerous. Open this water next to the mic. So think about that. So we're, 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 we live in this world, right? And we'll get into this a little bit more lately. So we have to understand that, that we can't miss that fact that we live in a world that's constantly lying to us. Some of us are more aware of that, that fact than others. But I think generally I began my life as a Christian back in 1982 as a freshman at the University of Kansas. I was walking through campus and I saw this little poster with a picture of Jim Morrison who was the lead singer of The Doors. And it was like, come to a rock and roll seminar. And I was like, whoa, rock and roll seminar? Because I, I was all into rock music. I was like, man, I'm going to go. So what is it? So I went, and it was an expose on rock music, basically describing the enormous amount of demonic influence behind the music. And literally was a presentation for about an hour and 15 minutes just of looking at the music, looking at the lyrics, looking at the album covers, you know, looking at those things, and as I'm sitting there, I'm seeing, oh my, there is an intelligent force lying to me to try to keep me from having a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And so, you know, later that night, I, I, was, I went up to the guy that did the seminar, and his name was Rice Brooks, and I went up afterwards, and I was like, man, I, I, I can't believe that I didn't connect the dots, you know, like how stupid I was. Like I was listening to songs like I'm on the highway to hell, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm on the highway to hell and not thinking about, wait, what does that literally mean? It's like, you're, you, wow, I, that's, I don't want to be going there. I don't want to get, I don't, I want to get off that highway. Where's the exit ramp? And all of this stuff going on, and I won't get into all that, but it was immediately, man, I became awake to the idea that there are these lies, deceptions, to try to keep me away from knowing what? The truth. The truth of who Jesus was. So later that night, uh, I was invited. And the long story of how I got there is miraculous that I actually went. I went there. Rice Brooks was preaching. I was bowing. Uh, he, after he preached, he said, hey, everybody, just bow your heads with me. And so bowed my head. And, he said some things and said, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to stand up. And so, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, 
So my idea was, man, trying to be good enough that God would finally accept me. And I really had tried, but I was very unsuccessful. And so, you know, I just am closing my eyes. I just said, you know, Jesus, I want to do this, but I can't do it. I just can't do it. And I heard a voice say in my heart, John, you're right. You can't do it. But if you trust me, I will do it. And in that moment, I just could see everything that I thought I believed was true, that Jesus died on the cross, actually became to make made sense. It wasn't that Jesus died on the cross as an example of his commitment to the Father, but it was, it was, it was, an, it was that Jesus died for me because I couldn't do what he did for me. He died on the cross. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. And my life changed dramatically. So dramatically, my Irish Catholic parents, right, they were like, man, what did you do? You know, you're no longer Catholic. And my dad later, years later, told me that after that, after a couple weeks went by and my life had changed so dramatically, my dad said, you know, I told your mom, I said, Harriet, you know, uh, he's not Catholic. We're not sure what he is, but we sure like how he is now better than he, he used to be. So let's not say anything. <laughs> so the life, the transforming life made the difference. So I just, so in my journey, so that was 1982 and what is it now, 41 years later, you know, serving Jesus Christ, uh, having my life transformed, but my life began with Jesus, with, a, with an understanding that the world is not telling us the truth. The world actually has no obligation to tell us the truth. And so we have to come, become awake to the fact that the world lies to us. And uh, John 3, 17 says this, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order, listen to this, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Listen to this. And this is the judgment. And this is interesting. Now, this is what we have to understand. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So, just thinking about that, like, okay, why, why, is there, why is there such a degree of resistance to the light, right? Because if we come into the light, you know, like what, my experience, right? I was heavily invested in rock music, you know? And, and like, man, it was a little painful to realize that I had been, you know, inundating my life with this garbage of, of, of stuff back in that day. And so much to the degree that when I went home 
After that meeting, after I got born again, I went and destroyed and tore up everything and broke up the, you know, albums and I, uh, cassette, you guys don't even know what cassettes are, but cassettes and pulled out the tape, you know, so all of that. But just thinking about the degree of pain, but because there's, because of the light, the tendency human nature is without the understanding that there is a good God wanting to reveal truth to us to set us free from the lies that whose end is our destruction. And so the light shines to illuminate our, our, our life. And yes, there's a degree of pain that we define that to some degree that we're guilty. Now, what we have to understand here is, is that when we may in the future, even in the present, talk about things like, hey, there's a lie going out. And, and you find that you were deceived by a certain degree of the lies. Right? And you may start feeling like, oh man, I did something. You know, understand that what God is doing, He's shining the light on our lives to help set us free from the darkness. And that we have to be certain that God is good. And He's wanting to restore our lives that we don't want to feel, be under what? Condemnation that God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, right? So that the world might be saved. Saved not in just a sense of like, you're going to go to heaven when you die, which that's a great place to go, don't get me wrong. But it's a lot more than that. That our lives can be preserved and be made whole. That we can fulfill the purpose for why we were created on the earth before we die. That we can be the people that God wants us to be while we're, while we're still here on this planet. So, uh, going on, in speaking to his, which is interesting, a lot of us sometimes fail to understand that Jesus kind of had some interesting relatives. So, in speaking uh, to his unbelieving half-brothers, uh, who thought Jesus' identity was tied to his fame and popularity, you know, they were, they were wanting him to make it big, and so they thought that it was dependent upon him being well-known and being popular, or was urging him to go to Jerusalem and kind of display himself publicly. So in speaking to them, uh, in, in light of that, he says this, John 7, 7, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Because I testify about it that its works are evil. Well, that's Jesus' words. Let me read that again. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Now we might think, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Jesus just said, I didn't come to judge the world, condemn the world. I came that the world might be saved, but now he's saying... He, he says that, you know, it, the world hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. We might think, well, wait, there, is there a contradiction there? Jesus did not condemn the world, but he testified that his works, that the world's works are evil. It's important for us to understand the distinction between revealing the truth to individuals and condemning them. Those things are not synonymous. And it's important for us to understand that God wants to reveal truth to you. 
And in revealing the truth to you, it isn't a way of condemning you. The truth is to set you free. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. We have to disconnect our understanding that to knowing something as true and when we are in falsehood is as if God is condemning us or we're withdrawing His love or His goodness from Him. Actually, His truth is His goodness revealed, manifested to our hearts and to our minds. To why? So that we can become the, and, and share in the same understanding of the world and the nature of reality in the same way that God does. We want to live our life. We want to live our life in this kind of terminology. We want to live our life in the idea of, I want to live my life in following God's thoughts after Him. I want to follow God's thoughts about things. I want to have the same thoughts God does about reality that He does. I want to have the same ideas and thoughts that God does about reality. And so, we have to understand that. Ephesians 5, verse 11 says this. Here, here we go. Take no part, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, do what? It says expose them. All right, now here's where, we're, here's where we're coming to. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, here's how it's important. It's important for us to be alive, awake, hungry for truth, finding out what's going on. I, I, think, about, uh, I think about this often, about this idea of how bad do we want to know what the truth is? I mean, it's the famous line from a few good men that's been used so much it's, it's almost become, you know, redundant or overdone, you know, where he says, Matt, uh, Tom Cruise's character says to Colonel, Colonel Jessup, I want the truth. And Colonel Jessup says, you can't handle the truth. And we have to understand, like, how much truth can we handle? You know, I, I, was, I was reading a recent article, which is kind of fascinating. There was a woman who's not a Christian. Matter of fact, she's, she would be, she's far from the ideology that would be, you would think a Christian would have. She's a nurse in, in St. Louis. And she, you know, uh, she's a lesbian. She's married to a transgender woman. And she worked in a transition, gender transition clinic. And over time, she started seeing things over and over again of what they were doing to children. And it got to the place where she's like, I can no longer live in this darkness. I can no longer keep doing this. The truth, the reality is, is that we are, we are exploiting the vulnerabilities of these young people in these clinics, and I need to, I, ca I can't do this anymore. And so she took an incredible risk, and she became a whistleblower. And she wrote a letter. This is just this year. She wrote a, a signed affidavit, sent it to the Attorney General in Missouri, 
calling out the clinic and what they were doing and how they were basically exploiting the vulnerabilities of these young people and basically uh, explaining the procedures and the effects and the outcomes of these things. And so, you know, I, I, in her testimony, it was amazing to me to see, think that here, this, this, this woman, who courageous, isn't, isn't, isn't even someone who believes in God is exhibiting a, a, a level of courage that is challenging to Christians. Because I bet when I started talking about this, some of us became very uncomfortable. Right? We got, we got uncomfortable. Here this woman, she doesn't have a church to go hide in. She's just all, pretty much now, death threats are coming her way. But what is, but the thing, the reality is, is that she's like the truth is important enough. The reality of what's happening is vital enough that I need to stand up. I need to stand up and speak. I need to be a whistleblower. I need to have a signed affidavit sent to the attorney general to expose the darkness. Because why? Because it's exploiting human beings. How, how about we have that same degree of courage for what's going on around us. And how do we get to that level of courage? How do we get to the level of seeing what's really going on? It's because we have to have a certain degree of hunger, hunger for truth. And we can no longer say, I'm totally off script and I don't care. We, we, we have to care enough about the truth. We can't say, look, we can't say, Hey, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know about that. One of the beautiful, brilliant things that, that General Eisenhower did after they, they began to invade Germany at, at the end of World War II, they, one of the first things they came upon was a concentration camp. And Eisenhower, General Patton, and uh, the British General Marshall toured the concentration camp. Blood and Guts Patton got so disturbed by what he saw that he had to go around and, and he threw up. And Eisenhower did this. What he did is he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to gather all the townspeople from the area and we're going to make them walk through the concentration camp. And as they were walking through, the common thing that they were saying is like, well, we didn't know this was happening. Yeah. You did. You ignored it. You didn't realize what was happening. You didn't see what was going on. And we can't be like that as the people of God. We're called to be God's image bearers. We're called to be, be His image bearers and steward the planet. To be courageous. To call things out. And to know what's going on. You can't hide behind your naivety. You can't bury your head in the sand and think, well, I didn't know like you did with your little sister or older sister. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. You can't do that. Life is serious. The, the, what's going on in the world is incredibly, incredibly, you know, dark. The, the, the cascading of lies upon the hearts and minds of people, the amount of evil happening all around us is great. But God's calling us 
to know the truth. The truth, yes, in our own life. To be, to be diligent to discover and find the truth. To find out what's going on. Don't hide behind, you know, a facade of just a, of, 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 of wrong uh, goals and agendas in your own life. Come out and see that God has called us to engage and live in the world and to discover what's going on. So, uh, so take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. In John 5, 19, it's, it says this. We know that we are from God and the whole world. Come on, look, look what it says here. I saw that over here. This Sunday, the first John life group, right there. Oh, you're studying the Gospel of John. Okay. But it's called the first John life group. But all right, next Sunday. All right. So in week five, you'll get to this verse. We know that we are from God. And look, this is what John the Apostle says. We know that we are from God and what? The whole world. I want you to think about this because I want, God wants to eradicate the idea that there is any validity in secularism, that there is a potential for neutrality, that there's some place in the world that, there, that it's just neutral towards the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. It says this, for we know that we are from God and the whole world lies, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Let's not live under a false narrative or a naive one that the world in some ways could be neutral, is neutral towards God. We don't want, we, you know, we don't want to reject the idea that the world lies in the power of the evil one and be deceived, right? Be deceived by the lie of neutrality. I mean, I've had to think about that. Like thinking about like, like there's a there's a place for secularism. Like what is that? You know, secularism is basically the thinking, the, the idea that you can, as a culture, turn your back on God, walk away from the reality of God, and that the outcomes could still possibly be good. As if there's a there's a there's a neutrality. It's hard for us to understand and comprehend the, the outcomes of neutrality. But the outcomes of neutrality are, are being seen more and more evidently by the corruption in every institution of mankind right now. The financial industry, corrupt. The medical industry, corrupt. The educational academia, corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. The, the military-industrial complex, corrupt. The degree of corruption. You know, we have to understand that not only are there only two genders, there's only two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's not this other kingdom kind of like, the, you know, a, in a holding pattern or a place of neutrality or like, you know, a place of just, you know, uh, uh, of, of, of non-committal. Two kingdoms. That's it. What kingdom are we going to be a part of? Not one kingdom that we're going to give a nod to, 
but what kingdom are we going to determine? I am going to live by the principles of this kingdom. I'm going to what? I'm going to break up with the world. I'm going to send the text message to the world. I'm not dating you anymore. I'm going to send them a dear Jane, send them a dear John. You know, it's an abusive relationship you need to get out of. If you ever had to sit across the table from a friend that's like, hey, champ, that thing ain't happening. It's not working. End it. That's not, your, you know, hey, if you're married, hey, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something entirely different. I'm talking about, you know, some other stuff. We have to be understand to understand. We have to we have to understand to understand this. Okay, I'm, that's awesome. Thank you. We cannot. We cannot listen. We cannot be unwilling. Don't be unwilling to accept that we live in a hostile world toward God and His values. So Jesus, listen to this, so we're not done. Jesus, in speaking to the cultural leaders of his day, right? The, who were the cultural leaders in Jesus' day? The Pharisees, okay? They were the cultural leaders. Listen to what he says to the cultural leaders in his day. Tell me, he, he wasn't straight to the point. John 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So, so when we think that's what Jesus said to the cultural leaders of his day. What do you think Jesus would say to the cultural leaders of our day. Same exact thing. Same exact thing. I mean, it, it, there, there is, a, again, there's an enormous amount of real evil being done to human beings. Young men, women, and children right now by those with the power to do it. And if you are waiting... Right? This is, this is a trap we can get. If you are waiting for the mainstream media to acknowledge the evil being done, you have already lost in the 5G warfare. The mainstream are to people to admit that they're wrong. Have you ever been in a, have a relationship with somebody with, that was, you know, an addict? Right? I mean, the gaslighting. The manipulation, I mean, the whole thing, like sometimes you go, oh my gosh, you know, un until they admit that what they're doing is wrong, that, you know, it's almost like you need them to admit that what they're doing is wrong before you know that what they're doing is wrong. They may never admit it, but you have to know that's wrong. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to be gaslit. The enormous amount of gaslighting today is just phenomenal. Like, well, you don't know. You know, like someone would ask me one day. I was talking to him about something. And, and they said, well, are, do you have, what's your credentials? They asked me, what's your credentials? Did you study medicine in college? Did you study science in college? I said, no, but I learned how to read. 
and I can read. And I've looked at things, and I see things, and I've studied things, and I know, I know because I see, I read, and I can understand. And you're like, what if, and you think, what have you read? Uh, I haven't. So when we think about this, we, 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 we think about the, the, this idea, we, we, need to, we need to break up with the world and be confident in it. Something to that degree. 1 John 2, 12. Listen to this. I love this, the way he, this is said in this repetitive way. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for its namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've known Him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you've known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the Word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. You know, we just have to understand that. 1 John 4, 4 says this, Little children, you are from God, and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this we know, the spirit of the truth and the spirit of error. It's pretty clear there. What God is calling us to, waking us up to the reality that you cannot live in a naivety. You cannot live in a carelessness. You can't live in, in the idea under the myth of neutrality or secularism. You, we have to understand that we are at war. It's a war going on. God wants us to succeed. And what does succeeding mean? That we'll stay holding on to our faith in Jesus Christ and we'll go to heaven when we die? Well, that's a good, that is a good goal. But a, but a more fuller goal is that you would be the hero, the man and woman of God that God created you to be. To stand, be willing to stand up. To first of all, get out of any funk that you're in. Any idea of neutrality. Invest in your own understanding of, the, of what's going on around you. Don't be careless about the, the stewarding, the very gifts and talents and abilities that you have. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. Become aware of what's happening. People's lives depend on it. There are other people's lives who are counting on us standing up, and we need to do that. You know, I saw this, again, not making a dramatic uh, posture here, but I got this and I wanted to read this to you as I close. Uh, somebody sent me this. It says this, because I thought about this. For, for all of you here today, it said, The devil whispered in my ear, You're not strong enough to withstand the storm. How many of you have felt like, man, there's a storm going on right now? 
Just two, three, okay, all right, a couple more, all right. The devil whispered into my ear, you're not strong enough to withstand the storm. Listen to this. It says this, today I whispered in the devil's ear, I'm a child of God, a person of faith, a warrior of Christ. I am the storm. You're the storm. You're a disruptor of darkness. You're a bringer of light. Let the light shine in you. Steward well what God has given us. You know, the God will give you wisdom. Foundations built upon. God will help you understand things. God will give you the insight that you need to be the people that he wants you to be. Let's all stand up. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just thank you right now for your, your heart and your desire for us. Lord, I just pray right now in the middle of this, in this moment, Holy Spirit, come. Just as your presence is here, Holy Spirit, as the, the worship and Lord, you're moving on our hearts. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that we will make steps to break free from the world and its influence. Lord, the subtleties of thinking. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us even one step to do. Lord, like maybe that, that night after I made that commitment to you, Lord, to destroy all those rock albums and stuff. Or maybe, Lord, there was just, maybe there's a, a social media thing that's going on in our life that's really not, it's just, it's just creating havoc in our thinking. Lord, maybe it's a bad relationship. Or, may, Lord, maybe it's just a, a subscription to some kind of service, Lord, that we're involved in. Or, Lord, maybe it's this pattern that we do. Lord, that right now, by the grace of God, by the power of God, Lord, by the, the abundant of grace, I pray, Lord, that we would step out and break off any hold the world has upon us. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Lord, help us to understand the times in which we live. Lord, that these aren't times that maybe our parents lived in. Lord, these aren't times that our grandparents lived in. Lord, these are critical times. This is time, Lord, as a, as a hinge of history. Let us rise and be the people that you want us to be. I ask you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, stay up here. We're going to pray over John, too, just the, the ministry at Morningstar and what they have going on at the, with CTG on the KU campus. So just let's do this real quick. Before we leave, God, we just thank you and bless God, Pam and John. We thank you that, that you have called them for this hour and how they're leading us all in this might and in this spirit of courage. And so, God, we bless that. We pray more of that, more grace. God, more measures of faith. We pray for the whole Morningstar community. God, our brothers and sisters over there, we're grateful to do life with them. God, make a, a unity and a cohesiveness in their body, that they would be a city set on a hill, a light shining bright in this city of Lawrence. Yes. And God, we pray for the campus at KU. God, we pray for those campus ministers over there, just like we have ministers here in Kansas City. God, bless their efforts. God, would this be a fruitful semester as they go about and reach students um, such a vulnerable, impressionable age, yeah. our college students. Yeah. 
And God, we just, we just pray your favor on them. Give them the words, the relationships, the divine appointments. God, we bless this ministry and all you have for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.